Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I am your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, and I am joined by my phenomenal co-host, Bill DeFilippo. Bill, hello, how are you? Uh, doing okay, Matt. Uh, we're, we're here to talk about football, and it, it's very funny to me that like I had to get my brain back into football mode because there was because it was like locked into basketball mode for a reason other than, oh, Jesus Christ, I hope these guys can make the CBI this year. Yeah, we haven't talked football in in a hot minute. It's been a while. That's just that's just the overwhelming force that is that is Penn State basketball just occupying right. the last six weeks of our brain. Uh, but Bill, Blue White Weekend is almost upon us. It is next Saturday afternoon. I believe it's set for a two p.m. Eastern kickoff. And Bill, a lot of stuff has happened this spring. We're not gonna do a spring preview with a week and a half to go. So. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about some big news that happened this week, and then we'll kind of do a, a broader dive into what we hope spring ball accomplished for this team before we do a more formal blue-white game preview at the end of the episode. How does that sound? I, it, it sounds all right to me. Let's do it. So to start things off, really big roster news, and probably some of the bigger news of the offseason in that. And Penn State has a new scholarship running back with Minnesota transfer Trey Potts joining the fold. Bill, this is a guy who's a central Pennsylvania native. It feels like he understands the kind of role he's going to play in this offense. What do you think about Penn State adding another scholarship running back to this roster now? I, I, I think it's huge, Matt. Um, the thing with any guy that Penn State was going to end up taking – or. What, what, let's take a step back. Let's talk first about the fact that Penn State kind of needed to get a guy because Des- desperately. My, my, guess, my guess you're going to agree with me. Like Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, thoroughbreds in Penn State's backfield. Yes. They, as long as they're able to play, I'm going to feel really good about what they are going to be able to bring the Nittany Lions. But it was getting to the point where Katron Allen plants his foot, turns his ankle, misses three games. Suddenly your options are you ride Nick Singleton into the ground, which is something that we know James Franklin has never liked doing with his running backs. And then you have to hope that can you get something out of one of the walk-on running backs you have on the roster? Penn State currently has five running backs on its roster. Those two sophomores, then Emile Davis, Tyler Holsworth, and Tank Smith. After them... Penn State had a pair of true freshmen coming into the room. London Montgomery from Scranton, Pennsylvania, a talented three, four-star running back prospect, but someone who uh, hurt his knee last year and was unable to play a senior season. And then Cameron Wallace, solid three-star recruit, uh, a guy they're high on, but... Not right away. Yeah, not not right away. Although it is worth mentioning, I want to give Tyler Donahue a 24-7 a bit of credit here. In Juwan Sider's time as Penn State's running backs coach, and there are plenty of reasons for this, but there has never been a scholarship running back at Penn State under Jawan Sider who took a redshirt as a freshman. And I think that Penn State, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here, Matt, I thought Penn State was going was put in a position where if they were going to go into this season – they were going to have to ride Singleton and Allen as much as they could because I just don't know if you could trust anyone else in that room. And it made it so getting a transfer running back was the number one priority for me. And from a 
uh, roster management, roster construction sense? I think it, it's big in the sense that it's, it's, this is an insurance policy. Potts is a guy who's played, I want to say, four seasons already in the Big Ten. He was a 2019 kid. He redshirted in 2019. 2020 was what it was. 21-22. So, yeah. Okay, so, he has two more years of eligibility remaining. So, this is an insurance policy, hopefully, for the rest of the superstar freshman's career, which is huge. Like, I agree that Penn State does have a good amount of talent behind it, and it's going to take time for Montgomery. It's going to take time for Wallace. I mean... Dell Valley, which is where Tyler Holesworth began his career at, he was a receiver there, so at least he's played a little bit at this level. But, yeah, this is huge. Like, this is such a humongous opportunity for Trey Potts and for Jaywan Sider. They can – I think now they have enough enough depth at every position on offense to run the most complete version of Mike Yurst's offense. Like, you do not have to adjust based on personnel concerns. Like, you don't have to worry about limiting carries for these two guys now. I think this just means the Penn State offense is going to be as complete as maybe we've ever seen it. And that's a humongous, humongous win for the program. Yeah. And Potts is a Pennsylvania kid, uh, went to Williamsport, you know, uh, about 50 minutes away from uh, from State College. I'm actually looking are back. They the, are they the millionaires? They're, is that they their, is the that their team name? Yes, that's they are so the millionaires. Cool. I'm actually looking back on this, Matt, and his first reported visit, I, he uh, gave an interview, I believe with uh, I believe with Sean Fitz of On Three. Um, yep. He gave an interview where he said, you know, he grew up a Penn State fan. He went to Penn State games in high school. His family is a group of Penn State fans. So, I actually he was, <laughs> he was going, at the sixteen whiteout. Yeah, I his actual first reported visit was the Temple game that year. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley scores a late touchdown gives Penn state a 34 27 win over temple. And then uh, he did visit uh, for the whiteout that year. Yes. And the thing that makes Potts such an important addition to me, one, something that you alluded to, Matt, I don't think you are coming to Penn state as a running back transfer without understanding that, you know, Nick Singleton is the starter. Katron Allen's the closer and you're a middle reliever. You know, just to kind of use that baseball analogy. Like yep, you're not going, you're not going to be a guy that's coming in and carrying the ball thirty times a game. They're riding you into the ground. All that. Your job is to make sure that Penn State is uh, that Katron Allen and Nick Singleton remain healthy. And if one of them goes down, you were able to step up and give good production, which he's done over the course of his career: two hundred thirty-nine carries, one thousand one hundred ninety-five mm-hmm. yards, and eleven touchdowns uh, during his time at Minnesota. Uh, But then kind of the other big thing here is what I just mentioned. And it is that if one of those guys goes down, you are replacing him with replacing one of them with a guy who has been a productive running back in the big 10. When Muhammad Ibrahim uh, for, uh, for Minnesota went down in 2021 Potts was the guy that replaced him Potts was the guy who ended up stepping in uh, before he suffered a, a serious injury of his own in 2021 that he was eventually able to bounce back from in the three games where he was defeat well four games I believe because I think he suffered the injury against Purdue these are his four games where he was the starting running back for Minnesota after Mohamed Ibrahim went down 34 carries 178 yards and two touchdowns against Miami of Ohio 26 carries, 121 yards, three touchdowns against Colorado. 27 carries, 141 yards against Bowling Green. 
15 carries, 78 yards, one touchdown against Purdue. In those four games, he averaged 5.1 yards per carry. So, Matt, like, I think you're probably like me here, where you would have been fine if Penn State went out and got some some FCS kid, some Mm -hmm. uh, group of five kid, who was able to step in and basically be a warm body. But Penn State legitimately got, and I'm going to, still going to sit back and dive into the tape later tonight, tomorrow. Penn State legitimately got a good football player to step in and now be, for all intent, you know, I'm not going to never say never. Maybe he comes in and lights it up. But for all intents and purposes, this is the guy who is going to be their third running back this season. You've got, you've got a guy who can start in the Big Ten. Uh, and it's great that he doesn't need to start in the Big Ten. And and that's kind of, yeah. I think, all you can really can ask for. Like, this is 2023 in college football. Very few teams can say they have two backs they feel great about. Next to none have three. Penn State now has three. That's just, that's absolutely phenomenal just roster management by this coaching staff. This is a really good place to be. And I'm excited that Potts, if he gets what I think is realistic, Bill, nine carries a game. I think that's probably realistic. If you're if you're hoping to break it down, you know, if, if Penn State's trying to run the ball 40 times a game, I want 20 and 15 being allocated to Singleton and Allen. So five. If they can give yeah. him five. five. If he's able to come in during blowouts, if he's able to, uh, you know, if you, they have a game like the Northwestern game this year. And ball security is a bit of an issue in the face of a monsoon. Having like another guy, just all these little problems. Penn State is not going to have a big problem at running back unless something terrible happens. But all these little problems are now solved because Trey Potts is now going to be playing his college football for Penn State. Bill, that's a really seamless transition then into our next topic. So you basically just said that running back and the depth there was – one of, if not the biggest concern for you as we as we close out spring ball. It's it's been filled. There's going to be five scholarship running backs now on Penn State's roster, three of them with essentially starting experience in the Big Ten. That's no longer an issue at all for me. That that position is mm-hmm. in good hands. So Bill, give me your top two or three biggest holes on the roster right now. So the way that I approach this question is there are th- there are three answers. Two of yep. them, the answer is we don't know who the guys are going to be. And then one of them is we know who the guy is going to be, but we haven't seen it yet. And the two where we okay. know the answer are defensive tackle, where Penn State goes into the season having to replace P.J. Mustafer with the issue of they don't really have another guy who fits the physical profile that uh, that made P.J. Mustafer such an interesting football player. They lack that guy who, you know, is going to be coming in and is, you know, just throwing some numbers up. They don't have the 6'4", 330-pound mountain of a man um, who is going to be stepping in and playing defensive tackle. They have a lot of guys who are talented to one extent or another who have played a decent amount of football, but they lack that. The second one is specialists. We don't know who Penn State's specialists uh, are going to end up being this year. They're, they have to replace Jake Pinnaker. Uh, they have to replace Barney Amore. Okay, big problem. They have a couple of transfers 
uh, that they were able to bring in. Uh, one of them, uh, sorry, Alex Felkins uh, was a transfer. The other was Riley Thompson as a kicker and punter. And then the guy they have on campus in Sanders Sahedic. Uh, then Alex Paqueta, Gabe Nwosu. We don't know how those are going to shape out. And we also, you know, have to replace Chris Stoll uh, or put replacing Chris Stoll in there. And then the third one is the one where we know the answer and it's not viewed as a whole because we know what's going to happen, but it's quarterback. Penn State has, is going to be throwing out a quarterback who has never played major minutes in a college or has never been a major college football contributor outside of two throws against Purdue when the starter had the runs. So, yeah, that's a good point. So I like we're going to sit here and we're going to say we know the answer. We know it's almost certainly going to be Drew Aller, but basically every other position has some level of certainty to it. Those three positions we it, when it comes to the former, we don't know what's going to happen, and then with the latter, we know what's going to happen, but you know, you're kind of going into this year waiting to see results for the first time. Yeah, Bill, that, that's a, for me, it's two. For me, there's two major holes, but I like the quarterback point you make. For for a while, I've been thinking to myself, you know, when September 2nd rolls around, both Aller and Prabula will have been on campus for 20 months. Like, they're veterans in the college football universe in 2023. So, but I, I think maybe I have to walk those expectations back a bit just by nature of, you know, what it means to go from backup to starter. But for me, it's wide receiver. I think from everything we're hearing, it's Keandre Lambert-Smith and Harrison Wallace, who I'm starting to think might be might be one of the most talented under-the-radar guys on the roster, mm. is Trey Wallace. Um, and then it's defensive tackle. And you're right, they don't have the space eater like PJ. They need... Hakeem Beeman's never going to bulk up enough to where he can be that guy. They need it to be Caleb Artis. They need it to be Jordan Vandenberg. They need it to be Devon Ellis. Like... They need one of those guys to step up and to fill that hole. And I think maybe the transfer portal might still be on the table. They're over by my count right now by two scholarship players. So there's always going to be that, you know, kind of ebb and flow now as we come into the last portal window before the season uh, here in a couple weeks. But for me, wrapping up spring ball, like it's really just the wide receiver position and the third one at that, because again, there's two clear starters and then there's a ton of guys vying for spots, not even factor in Dante Cephas yeah. when he gets to campus. And then, you know, defensive tackle, there's, I want to say six scholarship defensive tackles, not counting Ty Blanding because I'm never going to ask a true freshman to contribute right away. So that's, that to me is the only like number one red alert hole on the roster right now. And, and that's a really healthy place to yeah, be. And, Well, on one hand, it's a really healthy place to be. On the other, one thing that we have talked, we talked about on this pod a lot last year, and we have talked about this pod a lot over the years, is that Penn State has to catch up to Ohio State. And correct. Now, Michigan has gotten its act together a bit, and Penn State now has to catch up to a Michigan team that is bringing back basically everyone on its offensive line. And last year when they played, really dominated Penn State in the trenches. What Penn State has yes. done in that time is they've lost P.J. Mustafer, and I'm just going to go through the defensive tackle room right now. Devon Townley uh, comes in at 267 pounds. Zane Durant. Oh, wait, real quick, real quick, Bill. Actually, while we're running through this, let, let's kind of combine segments here for a little cool. bit. We were I, Next question to me was going to be, who's the guy you're looking to step up 
in this room coming out of spring or or throughout spring. So when you rattle off those names, let's say what we expect that guy sure. that guy to do. Is that sure. fair? That works for me. Let's do it. I mean, Devon Townley, uh, he he, if memory serves, he was in the portal and then came back. Correct. And I don't know a defensive tackle at 267 pounds in the Big Ten how much faith we should have. So you know, unless he fills out considerably and he's up to 285, 290 or more by the time the season starts. Like I, I don't have especially high hopes for that young man. I think realistically the fifth defensive tackle is probably what it could be for him. Yeah. Go to Zane Durant. Who's coming in at 275 pounds. I think Franklin said this week, he's up to about 280. And like, I think he's a really good, really talented, really exciting player. I think he's a guy who has the potential to start at defensive tackle. I don't know if it'll be this year because they have Beeman and they have Kaziah Izzard there, but I, I see him as more of a passing downs guy. And it's, yep. it's, it's those standard downs, those first and tens, second and three kinds of things that concern me more. I think he's a, a bona fide two deep member. Yes. I think he may even start a game or two, but I think he's for sure a, First backup on the field. Yeah. Beeman, we don't have to talk about. I think we can, uh, to, to whatever extent, we, My king. we could do this. We could write him in pen. Even if he, like, he's a good player, but he's a flawed one. I mean, we said it on yep. the pod. Like, when James Franklin was talking about how they need to get bigger in the trenches, kind of hard not to point to the defensive tackle who's 6'3 and listed at 256 pounds as an example of a guy they need to just get bigger. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Jordan Vandenberg, 286 pounds. I mean, I... Like he, he's, he's the interesting he's a, one for he's, me. He's a good story. He's a player who, you know, he seems like he has a real fire about him, but I don't know if he's a guy that we should sit here and I don't know if he's a guy we should sit here and expect much of anything. Or I, I do think he's oh, a guy who I disagree. I think he's a guy who can play. I think he's a guy mm-hmm. who could be part of a rotation, but you know, if, Penn State has a 21 to 20 lead against Michigan with four minutes left and Michigan has the football on their own 20 yard line. I don't know how good I'm going to feel about Jordan Vandenberg being one of the defensive tackles out there. I think there's a role for him on against obvious or that's a horrible way to word that if they're playing run heavy teams or in obvious running situations, like if a team's trying to kill the clock and not give Penn state the ball, I think, I mean, we saw the lifting videos on Twitter. This dude is unbelievably jacked hits his third year in the program. Now. Like I think he's a guy who can definitely have a role. Like I'll put him in there as a fringe two deep guy. He he certainly has the functional strength, whether that translates Mm -hmm. to football strength is a question going into this year. Caleb Artis, a redshirt freshman, uh, he's a 315 pounds. He's the biggest member of the room. But like, I, you know, he's, this is now his second, he was a second year of the program. He appeared in two games last season. I'm not expecting much out of him. He'll play. I don't know how much, but he'll he'll get a couple reps here and there. Uh, Devon Ellie is a guy who's been around forever. Another one of those guys who, He's at 302 pounds. He certainly has the functional strength, but we've never really seen him be a guy who, you know, if you're playing him 50, 60 set snaps in a football game, you think, man, that's a guy who's out there really making life hell, life hell for the other team. 
So this this is my pick okay. for for guy who's going to step up. I think Devon Ellis is a very 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 talented prospect who spent a lot of his first of all he got to campus in 2019. No really no defensive lineman play. 2020 COVID hits. I think that screwed with a lot of people's development, especially for those guys who had already gotten to the routine and then had to break the routine with the COVID protocols. Yeah. Like I think he's a guy who got really hurt by that. I think Ellie's is a prime breakout candidate. I think without Mustafer ahead of him anymore, he's a guy who can eat up space pretty well. For whatever reason, I feel like I remember him making splash plays behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's my pick right now for the guy who I think would step up. And then Kaziah Izzard at 291 pounds, a guy who's played a decent amount of football for Penn State. But he he's kind of in a group with Ellie's uh, where played a decent amount. We've seen him do some nice things. We've never seen him like be a kind of guy who when PJ Mustafer is taken off the field, you're like, Oh yeah, they're totally fine because they have Koziah Israel in. But again, like that I'm not trying to write him off or anything. Just we're in a position where we need to see it with him. I think Izzard's kind of a co-starter. I think he definitely plays starter level reps, but like if he's announced on the video board every week, if it's him or Ellie's, I'm not sure. But I, I, I think he gives you decent minutes and can continue to do that. I, I think that's fair. And this is when you look at the other two teams that Penn state is really competing with in the big 10, you look at Ohio state. I think Penn state's back seven is in a really good spot to compete against Ohio state. And I think with how pass heavy Ohio state is going to be this year, the fact that Penn state just has this, arsenal of dudes who could rush the passer and Adisa Isaac deny Dennis Sutton uh chop Robinson and then whatever you get from someone like a Smith Vilbert uh an immune Vanover a Zariah Fisher who I'm really high on coming into this season those are all yep. things that you know you feel pretty good about that Michigan they're going to want to run the ball they're going to want to run between the tackles they're going to want to try and win up front it, it, that game being in Happy Valley makes me think, okay, maybe it's not as big of a deal. Maybe, you know, they just, it's a little bit easier for them to win a game in Happy Valley than it would be in the big house. But when right. you look at this flaw, you know, if we're doing this podcast in December and we're talking about Penn State going to uh, the Outback Bowl, or we're talking about Penn State kind of sneaking into the final New Year Six Bowl as an at large team, and we're looking at the positions where, we're going, eh, you know, that just wasn't good enough. It seems to me that defensive tackle is the most likely answer. So the, it's hard to really talk about this without the Michigan game last year, just kind of clouding over everything. Sure. Like it's hard to contextualize this. So I'm going to walk something out. The defensive tackles can be fine for a lot of the year and they can get by throughout, I think, 11 of the 12 games on their schedule with the current group they have, and it wouldn't be a reason they lose the game. I think if Penn State beats Michigan after what we saw last year, it's not going to be because the defensive tackles stuffed the run. I think it's going to be because they moved Abdul Carter to Mike for that game, and he just clogged the middle up. They're cross-training him. I think that that's a realistic scenario. Like, Manny Diaz's defense is installed now. Like, installation is over. It's now perfecting it. And if a way to do that is to have an Abdul Carter at Mike game, I don't think that's the worst idea ever. Like if he's prepared for it, I think you can get by with that. And I think with that group of defensive tackles and Abdul Carter in the middle, 
you you can you can get by and beat a Michigan team at home. What do you think about that? I I mean, wh- this is months away, yeah. so we can shelve this if we want. But it, that's that's kind of just looking at the roster and what's realistic. Like again, they're not going to be the reason they lose any games outside of the Michigan game. And if they win the Michigan game, again, I don't think it's going to be because the defensive defensive tackle stepped up. I think it might be they got help from a potential All-American. I, I don't disagree with that necessarily, but if Penn State's defensive line is the kind of defensive line where you don't have to double team anyone, you could put a hat on a hat, and then you could just have their center going up and engaging with a guy like Abdul Carter, you know, their tight end is... They have a tight end who's going to that second level and engage with the linebackers. They're throwing their pullback at someone. Like the thing with Michigan is their kind of big strength as a football team is that you know what they want to do, and it's really hard to stop them from doing it. And I think even if they have that wrinkle of throwing Abdul Carter, and you know, I still need to see, uh, I still need to see what Michigan is going to end up looking like this year, but. We know exactly what Michigan wants to do. We know I, – I think you're probably not incorrect about wanting to give um, uh, Carter opportunities as their Mike linebacker. But if Michigan's able – if they don't have – Michigan is able to just block everyone one-on-one along the defensive line with their offensive line and then always have that extra guy or two who's going to flatten dudes. Because that's where Michigan kills you. Michigan kills right. you because you – not only are is your defensive line taken out, they have a tight end who's taken out a linebacker. They have a fullback who's taken out a linebacker. They have their, an, an offensive lineman pulling who's able to take out a linebacker. So we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, there's plenty of other stuff to worry about with Michigan. Uh, they have really good running backs. They bring back basically all their skill position guys. J.J. McCarthy probably isn't going to be as dear in the headlightsy uh, this season as he was last year. But I don't know. Like, I... I can just imagine a scenario where Penn State's defensive tackle room doesn't have kind of the beef that is necessary to be able to win that kind of what will ultimately come down to a battle of wills. The good news is there's a long way to go between now and that game. There's a whole summer of workouts. There's a whole season for guys to get better and to figure out their role. So that's not something we have to worry about right now, Bill. The only thing we have to worry about right now is what home field apparel shirt is going to fit us best. That's right, Bill. This is how you do an ad segue. (laughs) Home field apparel is our podcast sponsor. If you don't know about home field, what are you doing? They make some of the coolest college athletic apparel out there in the marketplace today. They make t-shirts. They make sweatshirts, sweatpants. I'm seeing some hats on the timeline popping up for some schools now. And Bill, they have a 15-piece Penn State collection that features some old-school designs that, frankly, I hadn't seen before. I have a couple shirts from them, my favorite being my Take Me to Happy Valley crew neck. Bill, I know you have some home field stuff. Is that correct? I I have more than enough home field stuff. I probably should spend less money on home field, but I'm not going to stop doing that. As, as you should. And our listeners can get 15% off your first order with promo code ROARLIONS, ROAR at checkout. That's all one word, all caps. Thank you to Homefield for letting us talk about Penn State football. And Bill, spring ball is winding down. There's, like I said at the top of the podcast, there's no sense in us previewing things. So let's go 
skill players, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, secondary. Like we won't go like, I guess, yeah, we'll call it that. What's one thing you hope they got better at each of those levels? And let's start with, let's start with skill players. <laughs> can I just gesture at the wide receiver room? You can, if you yeah, want to. It, that, that's, that's it for me. I, I have no questions about Penn State's running backs. You know, I have a minor question or two about the tight ends, but ultimately I'm very willing to bet on the talent of Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. Khalil Dinkins sounds like he's having a really good spring. Joey Schlafer's a talented player. Jerry Cross is a talented player. Like there's just so much talent in the tight end room with guys who have had some production that I'm not worried at all. Running back, not worried at all. Quarterback, you know, they're ultimately they're for spring game purposes. This is basically dudes throwing in shorts. Like they're not going exactly. Like it's not going to be anything worth taking too terribly much from, unless you know Drew Aller gets the yips or something like that. But when I look at the wide receiver room, I look at a room of guys where they disappointed last year outside of Parker Washington. I don't think that's a huge stretch, even if you want to say Mitchell Tinsley disappointed a bit. I'm willing to hear out that argument. But the guys who were back, they disappointed last year. Keandre Lambert-Smith had a good end of the season. Omari Evans uh, played a little. Showed some promise. Showed some promise and showed a dimension that they don't have with his ability to just take the top off the defense at the speed. Harrison Wallace showed some promise. And then it's just a bunch of dudes who have just not done it for Penn State at the college level. Liam Clifford, we don't, you know, we haven't seen a ton of him it, getting like meaningful reps. He got a bit of run with Drew Allen. Right. Uh, but Liam Clifford, Caden Saunders, Tyler Johnson, Malik McLean, the Florida State transfer, Anthony Ivey, Malik Mega. There, it's just not a room where we have a lot of faith. Or no, I don't want to say have a lot of faith, have seen a lot to give us faith. We've seen the star rankings. We've seen that's a good way to word that. We've we've seen the highlight tapes from high school. We've seen all this stuff, but I really want to see if any of these guys, especially, you know, Dante Cephas is going to come soon enough. I want to see if any of these guys are able to kind of use the spring game as a jumping off point going up largely against a really, 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 really good secondary, even if it's at, you know, quarter speed or whatever they end up doing. So I, I'm just going to, I think that's going to be my thing this entire offseason. I'm just going to like wave at the wide receiver room and say, hope this works. Yeah, it's for me, the number one thing I hope they improved on is just their depth. Like, listen, I am not really worried about Keandre Lambert Smith after the end of the season he put on. I think Trey Wallace is prime for the year three bump. Like, if you remember, this is a basketball kid who was going to go play receiver at Duke. And now he's being talked about as, this insane threat that Penn state could have with his athletic ability. Like I think that he's going to be a guy who can really step up. And then I don't think you're really going to have a third guy who contributes more than maybe four catches a game. Cause I think the tight ends are going to occupy a lot of space. So now it's just Sixers draft pick mentality. Six, I'm sorry, Sixers second round draft pick mentality, as many bites of the apple as you can take and you'll find somebody to fill that role. And I think that, Right now, I'd probably give it to Amari Evans just from everything we're hearing out of camp. Liam Clifford could easily be that guy. Malik McLean, Caden Saunders, I think, can be yeah. that guy. Dante Cephas could be that guy. Like, there's enough bites at the apple, but I want to make sure there's enough guys at the table who can realistically contribute first. Again, I think the tight ends are just going to, I think maybe we're undervaluing them a little bit just in the way we talk about the receiving game as a whole. So 
I just need one or two or three guys to just say, hey, put us in there and we'll be able to make a couple plays for you is really all I'm yeah. looking for right now. Yeah, because I think the, the best version of Penn State's offense is one that you don't need tight ends in line blocking. You need to just be mm-hmm. able to attack down the field. And that's where it's such a big thing that they get stuff from their wide receiver room especially uh and you know theo johnson tyler warren will do their thing but like if penn state can beat you down the field if drew aller isn't trying to nickel and dime you the entire time they can actually take shots and be successful taking shots i think this offense is going to have another gear to it even though last year's offense was pretty good like i think this Mm -hmm. year's offense just has the potential if their wide receiver room is able to show what we need to see out of them to be really good. It's just, can someone give you something? Can someone step up and be the guy who, you know, kind of going back to that Michigan example, I said, Penn state's down 21, 20. It's a third and 10 from midfield. There's two minutes left against Michigan. Drew Aller drops back to throw the football. Is there a guy that he can trust that when he drops back, he could put it perfectly, or he doesn't have to put it perfectly, and they can go and make a play. So for offensive line, I'll shift a little bit here, and I'll go first on this sure. one. I could not be less worried about depth here, could you? Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm. I don't think so. You know, maybe, maybe Hunter Norzad like sprains his ankle and Nick Dawkins gets thrown into duty, but like ultimately, no, not really. Like it's Vega's getting reps there too. Like there's, this is such a talented. Yeah. This is insane. So for me, the thing I'm hoping that, that, that got sorted out in the spring is how much did competition raise the floor of this, of this unit? So if you think about it, left tackle Olu, no doubt about it. Easy money. Left guard, Landon Tengwall hasn't played a lot of football. He's been hurt a lot of his career or he redshirted. J.B. Nelson's pushing him. I think that's fair to say. So what does that look like now with that true competition of two guys who I think both of us feel confident can perform at all Big Ten caliber level? Like, even if that's honorable mention, like, I don't think that's unrealistic. Center, Hunter Norzad, sixth-year guy, I think was hurt for a lot lot more of last year than he's willing to let on. Uh, And I think, like Juice Scruggs, center is his better position. Uh, but there he has Nick Dawkins and like we said, Vega Iwane is also getting reps there. Right guard, I think Wormley pretty much has that under wraps, but Vega is going to give them good reps there. Right tackle, it sounds like the addition of Drew Shelton to that side of the football has really forced Caden Wallace to step up his game. The very rare number change in year five, before I forget, he's going to be number 73 at the Blue White game. So keep that in mind, not his usual number 79, I think he was. Um, but I want to see what Caden Wallace looks like now with a legitimate starting caliber tackle in the big 10 behind him. So I just want to see again, how much of that we can really tell from the blue white game is, is to be determined. I think it's going to be a more traditional game, but I want to see what the floor of this unit is now with everybody competing for their job. I'm actually going to disagree. And I, I want to see more of what the upper end of this room is and how close can okay. they get to that upper end? Because while you're right uh, about a lot of this stuff, outside of Olu, Landon Tangwall has been up and down. Hunter Norzad, you know, some rough moments last year, some pretty good ones as well. I, I'd say generally more good than bad, certainly, but got that position change. Sal Wormley, 
wasn't always convincing. Caden Wallace hasn't always been convincing. And the guy behind him, Drew Shelton, uh, or the guy pushing him, whatever you want to say, Drew Shelton is a left tackle moving over to the right. So it's a lot of guys who we've seen flashes where like, oh, wow, they're really, really good. But other than Olu, they've also had these kinds of dips. And if this unit can be as good as we think they can be, it's the best offensive line Penn State has had under James Franklin. So I think it's a Joe Moore Award contender. It it it, it potentially could be, and yeah, I don't like you mentioned. I don't know how much of that we're going to be able to see in the spring game, especially with a guy like Tang Wall whose season ended due to injury last year. But I want to see if we're able to just kind of get the flashes of what this the best version of Penn State's offensive line is to a man and. Even if they are at half speed reps against the second team defensive line, are they able to go out there and just be a brick wall and just, you know, Drew Aller is never worrying about anything. Bo Prabula is never worrying about anything. They never have to worry about their jersey getting dirty unless they're running the ball down the field. God, could you imagine talking to like this, like even like three, two years ago? Like it's just, it's insane. Well, the, well, the interesting thing is like we always talk ourselves into Penn State's offensive line being better than it was last year, right? And the yep. reason that and the difference between years past and this year is that in years past it's been they can't be any worse. This year <laughs> like I hate to say it but it's true. This year it's right. legitimately a talented unit of guys who have done good things at the college level and are capable of being really good and are capable of being one of the best offensive lines in the big 10 in college football. Not those guys last year were garbage. These guys just have to be better. And then we go into the season going, Oh no, the quarterback is running for his life. again." Yeah. I, I, I think the days of a quarterback running for his life behind the Penn state offensive line are, are hopefully behind us. Yeah. Um, but time will, and again, we won't answer that question on April 15th. We'll answer that question on like October 15th. But I, reg- um, regardless, I think you probably agree with me. Like, I really just want to see Olu get out there. Like the, it yeah, is, I want to see Olu play. I, yeah. I don't think this is going to end up happening, but after Caleb Williams and after Drake may, like there's a chance that Olu was the first non quarterback taken in the NFL draft next year. You know, I haven't really. I mean, listen, he's on, he's he's going to be twenty one. Like, yeah. there's a realistic chance he's the first guy with how young he is. No, no, I don't. I don't think he'll be taken uh, ahead of Caleb Williams. I don't think he'll be. Um, I don't think he'll be taken ahead of probably not Drake, but de- almost definitely not Caleb Williams. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. is also there, but Good it's point. very possible that we're looking next year at a team draft. You know, after the quarterbacks come off the board that, you know, maybe they haven't talked themselves into J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, whoever ends up being the third quarterback, and they go, we need to keep whoever we have upright. We're going to draft that kid out of Penn Mm -hmm. State, even though next year, the top of next year's draft class could end up being a very, very good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big year for Olu. Yeah. That's, that's, I cannot, I cannot believe he came back. Um, I'm so happy he did. But we kind of already talked about defensive line, so we can hit on defensive end quick. You know, here it's just who's the fourth guy. That's really all I think we're really going to learn. I think it's Zariah Fisher, but, I yeah. mean, it's Chop, it's Adisa, it's Deny Dennis Sutton. I mean, you can kind of just move on unless you have anything you really want to talk about there. Uh, 
No, not really. I mean, I think this is, I feel really good about this unit. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for one dude in that Zariah Fisher, I mean, Van Over, Smith, Vilbert grouping to be able to be able to step in fish. I think it's going to be Fisher if uh, he's yep, fully recovered from his Achilles, be able to step in and make it so, you know, chop isn't out, doesn't have to be out there all the time. Adidas doesn't have to be out there all the time, but generally, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't complain about anything with this unit. I don't think. Do you want to fight about linebackers now? Not really. I'm not, I'm not much, I'm not much <laughs> of a fighting mood right now. I think, I think we're going to have disagreements then. So for me, for linebacker, the, this is going to come off terribly and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to Kobe King and Tyler Elsden. Um, to me, it's how do you get Tony Rojas on the field? Uh, and I think it's pretty obviously it's Abdul Carter goes to Mike full time. I think that's the biggest question is how do you get that guy on the field? I think this is a level of hype that doesn't usually leak out of camp unless it's very deliberate. Um, I, I, I could see them holding his hand for the first month of the season. And then similar to what happened with Carter, where he explodes on the scene, the latter half of the year. That, that's what I think is, that's what I think they should be working to figure out. Yeah. I, I, I want to see Rojas continue to put on weight, continue to get bigger and stronger. Um, I, I think that I, – I mean, the general thing is that when Penn State is in kind of its highest leverage situations out there, um, it's going to be those third down passing down types. There's two linebackers on the field. It's Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. that's something I don't – like, I don't think there's a single person in the world who would disagree with that. When it comes to getting a third linebacker out there, if they could put – Carter in the middle of the defense and Rojas is ready physically and between the ears. I'm totally fine with him playing as much as he possibly can. Uh, I don't want to discount the fact that Tyler Elsden and Kobe King at the bare minimum, you know, on the, in, in the event they decide those are our three guys. Penn State suddenly they played better. I Kobe King and Elston did play better later. Yeah, in the they're year. T- like I, I don't want to. They're I, they, they definitely can play at this level. They are two pro- two productive, smart football players, and yes, I think that all things equal, I don't. What 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 do we know about James Franklin? He doesn't always necessarily go for the highest ceiling outcome if it involves being conservative with a true freshman, unless the true freshman is just like the kind of freak of nature who unseats everybody who knows maybe Rojas is, but I think ultimately as long as Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs are getting the lion's share of the snaps, figuring out everything else is a bit of a luxury. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that might be a better way to look at it. Like best 11 on the field may not exactly be best 11, most talented 11 on the field may not be the best 11 on the field right now. Like I think Kobe King was playing some really good ball, but but still, I think that if just a, a defense built around Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, and Tony Rojas as your three linebackers just has me really excited. Like that's an athleticism um, level that we have not seen across the board, and that just makes me really excited for a Manny Diaz defense that thrives in ke- creating chaos. So, I again, I I think that this spring was about mastering the Manny Diaz defense and figuring out who plays where and. I think we're really going to see a really productive year from all three of those yeah, guys well, or whoever ends up playing a lot of reps at line. Well, if you think it's about mastering the Manny Diaz defense, do you think it's really smart to throw a true freshman out there over two guys who have played? 
I think it I think it can be because I think everyone around him understands their role a lot better. But what about the fact that you have guys who understand the roles way like potentially way better than he does? Are they as good of football players as him? That's that's the question we won't have an answer for for a while. Sure. But again, it's it's the it's the hype thing. Like we don't see hype like this very often. Um, and also, like I'm the guy who wants to start all the true freshmen. So like, take what I say with a grain of salt. Like I'm always the guy who wants to see the young guys fly around. Yeah, because uh, so. I, I don't know about you, I didn't have fun watching the senior laden team win the Rose Bowl last year. Okay, all right. Listen, <laughs> it's a different. Listen, different year, different expectations. Different year, different expectations. So. All right, Bill. Let's let's. Do we even have to talk about secondary? Like, are you worried about anything here? I'm truly not. I, I I'm worried to. Uh, worry isn't the right word. My concern, to whatever extent I have one, is that corner nothing. Like corner, they're fine. Like they are totally fine. Safety, they have talented guys mixed with guys who have, and who are generally guys who have played a decent amount of football. My concern, to whatever extent I have one, is that the bar has been set so high by Jair Brown, by Jaquan Brisker over the last couple of years that I don't know what it looks like for the rest of the defense if that unit has, you know, the 10, 15% step back that might come from having to replace guys that good. But, like, at the bare minimum, I think they're going to be a good group of safeties and they have a lot of talented guys back there. So it, like, it's not like it's a huge concern. It's more like, Hey, you know, maybe I'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Um, Zaki Wheatley, I think is going to be one turnover in the spring game. I'll call Wouldn't it at that. It. I was rewatching some highlights. I forgot just how much, like how often he's around his, the ball his, for his how nose for the ball is very, very impressive. Like, and the fact that Keaton Ellis apparently is leading the team in turnovers um, this this spring, it's cool that it's two different safeties two years in a row, yeah. and both those guys are on the roster. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. So, all right, Bill, let's let's wrap it up here. Thank you to everybody for listening. Bill, any final thoughts here as we send everybody into their weekend? Uh, no, nothing I can uh, nothing I can really think of right now. Just. It's it, it really. Are you going to Blue White? I am not going to Blue White. No, next weekend we're celebrating my uh, celebrating my nephew's first birthday, so I will be. Oh, I will fu- be busy with that. So yeah, uh, stay out of jail at Blue White, everyone. Uh, don't you know? Oh, it's great. In, great in, in the immortal words of Jesus, uh, avoid the bookings, beloved, and uh, vote for everyone on the Penn State forward ticket. Yeah, yeah, we we <laughs> absolutely are very pro. Uh, PSU forward here um, and we'll leave it at that so we don't want to get yelled at um, I am going to Blue White I have not been back to campus since uh, Idaho 2019 and I am absolutely thrilled to be going back nice, man. Um, I am going to get wings over if I could get them at 9am I would get them at 9am um, let, so let, let me just tell that. everyone something that um, you maybe heard from other people but it like I have I think I, I know where you're going with this I've learned this to be 100% true it is a fact, a 110% ironclad fact that the wings over in Happy Valley is better than other wings overs. I've been to a wings over in Boston. I've been, I've had the wings over here in Columbus. The one at Penn State is just better. Built different. 
built different in Happy Valley. You used to actually, we both used to live not too far from that wings over. Yeah. I, I, oh, that was perfect. I used to be able, if I wanted to, this wasn't when I was a student. This was when uh, I was working for the alumni association. Um, I, and you had a murder basement. I, I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, I never killed anyone in there. Um, I lived around the corner from Wings Over, and it was great. I used to be able to just order, walk over, pick it up, and then bring it home. It was fantastic. It was the best. It was the best. Wings Over, sponsor us. Um, all right, Bill. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Uh, use promo code Roar Lions Roar. I forgot the promo code for a second. Use promo code Roar Lions Roar at homefieldapparel.com for 15% off your first order. Be sure to leave us a five star review on your podcast platform of choice. And we will see you next week to give a more in depth preview of the spring game. I think it's going to be a traditional format. I hope that we're able to get that in and hopefully we can get rosters in pretty quick and, and read into that what we will. So for my co host, Bill DeFilippo, I am Matt Klipovitz. Take care, everyone, and go state.